Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. MPE Mind Power. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pace Labs podcast. We're 76 episodes in here. If you combine the driver's meeting and Pace Labs, a little rebrand we got going here. So excited to bring you officially episode 76, but our first official guest here in the Pace Labs podcast. Oh, I could not be more excited to bring in the driver of the number nine 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Hendrick Motorsports racer, Phenom Chase Elliott. Welcome to the show, my man. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. So we're coming off a Indy Road Course race, which I think was really interesting, and I know it's had um, you know a lot of a lot of fan feedback of how the race went. We had one caution in the very beginning, and then the entire race goes green. So I was wondering, you know, first off, from your standpoint, um, were you surprised at all how the race ran? I know you guys had a battle for the lead. It seemed like all race, um, you know, it, that it, that it was tight and really interesting for everybody to watch. Um, but were, were you surprised at all after the race? Like, did you get out and think, man, we ran, we really ran, like, what, I think 875, 80 laps green? Yeah, honestly, not really. I mean, I think we've kind of seen that trend a little bit over the last the last few road races, you know, since they took the stage breaks away. So, you know, that being said, I just, you know, the, the, the drivers in the field are pretty good and the cars are reliable and, um, you know, you're just you're just not going to have many natural cautions anymore. So, you know, without those stage breaks, I think that's that's going to be the norm. Yeah, and do you think, you know, I, I think, too, stage breaks played a big part of, you know, cautions. You group up the field a lot. Do you think moving the restart zone has anything to do with it as well? Just kind of like, you know, you're still two and three wide going into the corner, but instead of being four and five wide, do you think it kind of helps uh, the, the chaos factor of it? I do think it helps. I'm not sure that that's why the – the race itself was calm, but I, I do think that that aspect helps. And, um, you know, the, the first couple restarts of the race weren't the problem. That's the last couple. So, yeah. you know, we didn't get those right. So without, without having going through that practice, um, kind of hard to say whether or not chaos would have still ensued, but, uh, the way it went, it was obviously fun. Yeah, and so and so now we switch gears. We go, you know, from one road course to the other. Every road course is unique in their own ways. But Watkins Glen, in particular, obviously, you've won twice at the racetrack. You you finished top five there. You know, you haven't finished outside the top five since 2018. You've had you've had some great success there. Um, is it a track that you always kind of have circled on your schedule, or is it do you, you know, are you taking it this weekend as you know just another road course race? No, you know, I've I've never really been one to do that. I don't I don't feel like it does you much good. Uh, yeah. In general, so I I just try to take it a week at a time, honestly, and just stay uh, you know stay focused on the things that that are relevant and the things that matter, and um, focus on what you know what we came off of this past weekend, the things we did well, the things we'd like to improve upon, and and uh, and kind of go from there. So no, I just. Uh, kind of take it a week at a time and stay focused on all the things we have going on right now that are relevant 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll hit Daytona in a second. One more thing on, on the Glen. Like you, you mentioned the momentum that you can carry out of Indianapolis. Obviously, you guys ran a, a really strong race, um, top three pretty much the entire time um, with that battle you guys had with uh, McDowell and, and Suarez throughout the race. So obviously, you guys feel like as an organization, you can carry that momentum uh, you know, to the Glen. I do. I mean, I don't, I don't see why not. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough, tough race. They always are. Um, you know, just because we ran good at Indy, does that mean you're going to be just as good at, at Watkins Glen? Not necessarily. Um, I do think that there are some things that we can carry up there, but there will be a lot of things different. That road course is much different than, than Indy is. Um, so you have to be a little careful with that, but I think that we can, uh, you know, certainly be proud of a, a solid run on Sunday. You know, a second there, a close second at that, you know, was was nothing to be too terribly disappointed about. Uh, we, we just need to need to be one spot better. Yeah, for sure. And now, you know, you go to the Glen and you're going to try to get you know, a checkered flag there like you've done twice before. And then the next week after that, you know, the final shot that everybody has, you know, to get in the playoffs. And it's been like that. I think, yeah, it's now we're entering year four, I believe, is Daytona. As the cutoff race, obviously you haven't been in this position before, but just with the circumstances of the season, um, you know, your your team is now in this position. And you as a driver, what what's the strategy? Say so you go into that Daytona race, whether – you know, even if you were in a points battle or must-win situation, it changes. Does it change your outlook at it? Uh, you know, as a team at all, going to the race, how conservative you are at the beginning at a track like Daytona, especially as we've seen in in recent years, the energy just amps up. You know, from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be in a you don't want to be in a must-win going into Daytona. That's just not something that you ever want to be in. But uh, you know, that certainly is a possibility for, for us. Um, and, you know, if, that, if that's the case, I don't really think that our race week is going to look any different. I don't think I'm going to drive the race any different. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're always showing up trying to win. Right. So I just, uh, it's, it's difficult whenever, <clears throat> you know, just because the circumstances have changed and, and what you have going on doesn't really mean that, you can just pull some magic out of a hat and figure out, you know, how to get two or three spots easier. And unfortunately it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. Yeah, for sure. And, and either way, regardless of, you know, how the next two weeks goes, obviously you guys are going to push as hard as you can uh, to make this happen. But, you know, what can you say of the, the resilience of, you know, not only yourself as a driver, but the team to rally behind you to, to make this rally up the point stains. I mean, you guys have only climbed up, you know, uh, the last however so many weeks in the race car. You know, what What can you say about your team, the resilience, and how you guys have pushed through this last half of the year, which has obviously been a year that, you know, you've never experienced before with having the injury? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a unique position for sure. But, you know, I'm, I'm always, proud of, uh, always proud of our team for just continuing to, continuing to push. And, and I feel like we've uh, – we're, we're just not a – we're just not a group that is going to quit. And, and I, I – that applies even in the final 10 if we're not a part of the playoffs. I mean, it's just no different. I, you know, I, I'm just not – I'm too competitive of a person, and our team is, is too good and too motivated and um, too good of a group to just show up and, and act like this stuff doesn't matter at, at, at any point in time. We're all very fortunate and lucky to do what we do, and 
um, I'm going to show up every week and give it, give it my very best. So, you know, what, whether we get in on the, on the driver's side or not, obviously there's still an owner's points perspective that is, uh, is involved and in play throughout all this. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of narratives going on, but whether we're in the points, not in the points, in the owners, in the drivers, not in one or not in either one of them or whatever, um, I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up every week the same and show up prepared and try to give my best effort to, uh, have the best result possible. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you guys have done an amazing job to rally this year and it'll be a great, you know, last 10 races, no matter what happens these next two weekends. So I got two more, I guess, funner questions you to wrap up with. Um, this week they tested at the Indy Oval, uh, on Monday after the road course race. And I'm like, so me personally, I'm so in between. Cause it's like, well, we just watched a, you know, a few great races on the Indianapolis road course, but we know the history the brickyard and the oval, like, I wanted to hear some like second opinions, but uh, you know, besides just <laughs> debating it over my, myself in my own head, where where are you at, kind of on that scale? Are you are, are you kind of in the middle where you're like, okay, whatever they go with, I'll be fine with, or do you, do you have a preference of racing on the road course or racing on the the famed brickyard? Um, you know, I uh, personally, for me, I don't really have a preference, uh, but you know, I certainly can understand the argument from. The, uh, from the standpoint of wanting to be on the big track and, and the history, I guess, uh, you know, that comes along with that and, and the history of what the Brickyard has been, you know, for NASCAR in years past prior to moving it to the, you know, moving it to the, to the road course. So yeah, I'm personally, for me, I'm good either way. Um, you know, the, the oval, the oval racing has really been better than the road course racing with this new car. So you know, I think part of the reason we went to the road course was try to make the race more exciting. And now we have a product that is almost more in the other direction. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure it'll change at some point. All these things are coming, you know, look, they're all trends and, and they come and go. And road racing was really cool there for a couple of years. And I, I think people are probably about tired of it, you know, and they, and they want something <laughs> different. So, um, it, it's constantly going to change. And uh, I'm good with, with whichever way they go with it. Yeah, for sure. We'll see what they end up going with for next year. And then the last thing I had for you is what what do you think is the ideal playoff cutoff race in your mind? Like, I know we there's been a lot of discussion of like, oh, you know, Day- Daytona is the cutoff race. It's been very exciting. Um, people have suggested throwing Atlanta in there, um, you know, as, as the cutoff race with now having two races on the schedule, how exciting that race is. Um, do you, do you think it's cool? Obviously it's, you can have a different standpoint when you're the driver in a must win situation going into a super speedway race. But do you feel like, um, this has been the right way to go to have this as like, you know, with what the playoffs is, is that last chance, uh, race at a super speedway, whether it ever got switched to Atlanta or, you know, uh, staying with Daytona and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, again, I really don't care. I mean, if it's, um, if it's a speedway, it's a speedway, you know, and yeah. as a driver and as a team, it's your job to not, you had, you had 20, what, uh, 25 other weeks to get yourself in a not must win situation before you get there. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever the play races fall, they fall, um, you know, whether it's the first race or the, in the middle of the season or the last cutoff race. And I, it just really doesn't matter to me. Um, I think there's enough other tracks and enough other races that if you're, if you're good and you're doing your job, it should have itself sorted out 
prior to prior to then and and you know it's nobody's fault but my own that, that we're in the position that we're in so yeah. um i'm certainly not not pointing fingers yeah yes sir and uh just lastly is there any favorite you know besides the the chaos on the racetrack is there a favorite part you have of, of going to daytona i know even for me you know speed weeks is a lot longer you know you're there for an entire week you know this this time around it's really only a few days but anytime you go to daytona beach is there a favorite part that sticks out that that you always want to go back there for you know as i've as i've gotten older um not as much i mean certainly as a as a kid i remember going down there for the fourth of july race and that was always super cool um but yeah not you know nowadays it's uh you know the schedule's pretty long so we're we're in and out of town and, and um you know just all eyes focused on on the race if you can get out to the beach great um but if not all good we'll just uh you know focus on focus on that track stuff yeah yes sir well hey man chase thank you very much take care up there in michigan looking forward to seeing what you can do this weekend at the Glen, and then looking forward to seeing you down here at daytona my man yeah man thanks have a good one all right, and we are out with Chase Elliott in the studio, in with my co-host, Matt Narvaez. Welcome welcome back in. It was great to talk to Chase Elliott here in this show, and now we're going to kind of break down uh, what we talked with him about, which was just previewing this weekend kind of Watkins Glen um, and the chances that he has to really get the job done. And he said, he said in the interview, which I thought was interesting, is, you know, obviously he's focused on this weekend. He's focused on Daytona. Um and getting that win to make himself in the playoffs. But he also said, Hey, if they don't win, they still have an owner's championship to fight for, which I also thought was interesting. We kind of saw that uh, play in last year when we had the 45 car still in the owner's championship battle. So fans that maybe weren't familiar, you know, some casual fans that weren't familiar with like how important the owner's battle is. They were kind of keyed in uh, with the battle with the 45 could see the same thing with Chase Elliott in the nine this year, but nonetheless, um, we'll get to that in just a second. Matt, how you doing? Welcome back in episode three of our newly created pace laps. And I think it's pretty cool to say that our first official guest um, that we ever had on the show on pace laps is Chase Elliott. You can't take that away from us. No, definitely not. It's uh, it's awesome. I think Monday you, you interviewed him yesterday, right? Tuesday. Yeah. So Monday evening, you sent me a text and I see that something's coming together and it seems to be really big. And it was huge because we got the most popular guy in NASCAR on the on the program. So really neat opportunity you got there. I said huge congrats and um, still huge congrats to you, man, for for getting that getting that done. And then we'll have it out soon. And um, yeah, really, really pumped um, to have Chase as our first guest. And I told uh, my father, actually, like once we got everything together. Um, once you told me that Chase was coming on, that even though Chase is not winning races necessarily or the fastest at the track, right now he's still the most talked about driver in the sport just because his position and not possibly making the playoffs and with Watkins Glen coming up, teeing up to be a really good uh, regular season finale last two races here and Chase could certainly be in the thick of it, um, for especially what he showed at Indy Road Course. I know we're going to get into that soon. So yeah, just pumped to talk about Chase, pumped to talk about how this playoff picture's coming uh coming together yeah for sure this playoff picture is really coming together um and it really got shaken up um this weekend uh not shaken up a ton but shaken up at least a little bit uh with michael mcdowell's win at the indy road course which we'll talk about in a little bit but more so kind of continuing on the point of chase elliott here um 
with how his season's gone, we know how his season's gone. We know the injury. We know that one race suspension. He's missed a good amount of time this season. Um, but I know what I talked to him about is the testament of his team um, to only be 80 points back, right? To still be this whole time, to still be in any sort of consideration where there were weeks where we were like, no, he can make it in on points. If they really grind here, they can make it in on points. And I think that is a testament to to his team, his entire organization um, for what, you know, how they've been able to rally this year. But me and you can both agree, even when he has been back, it hasn't been the consistent speed that we usually would expect of the nine team himself, Alan Gustafson, um, everybody on that Hendrick Motorsports crew. Um, you know, do you, do you think maybe it's it was just an off year you think the time off has kind of affected things i mean it's been a weird year for them in general um you know i i kind of remember at the beginning of the season them not being like incredibly fast either um but second place at indianapolis is a good showing uh they ran up front all day in a race that i thought was pretty solid um and to come home second carry that momentum into a track um that he feels is probably one of his best road course, if not his best road course. Like we were just saying, we were just talking about the stats before we came on the air. He hasn't finished outside the top five since he won, since he got that first career win back in 2018. Obviously very consistent, very good at Watkins Glen. Where do you rank that percentage of a chance that he gets it done, walks it off this weekend at at WGI? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a potential walk-off win, like you said. Casey Kane, 2014, I believe he won at Atlanta, kind of to make the playoffs in the last minute. Kind of reminds me of that situation a little bit, and we're talking about the same team with Hendrick Motorsports, so a late rally is definitely not um, a complete foreign thing to them. I'm looking at Chase's finishes here. Obviously, it's not been a perfect season, but we we have some pretty good finishes in there. I mean, there's a couple of top tens. There's plenty of top threes um, since Fontana, obviously, his first top three finish of the season. And then he missed uh, the rest of you know those races when he was injured. Finished second at, second at Fontana, and then he got a third place at Darlington, a third place in Chicago, and then um, tied his season best result this weekend at the Indianapolis Road Course. So, um, yeah, percentage-wise, how he can get it done this weekend, I don't want to exactly say that your Indy Road Course, you know, effort is going to translate translate directly towards, you know, Watkins Glen, um, but knowing how historically good Chase is at Watkins Glen, I mean, we, I was looking at his past four races here, Two wins, obviously, in 2018, 2019, so back-to-back. And then his worst finish there in the last four years is fourth place. So a second place in 2021, and then a fourth place just last year. So um, leading a ton of laps there as well. Plenty, plenty of um, laps spent out front. Um, you know, we've been calling him the road course king the last couple of years. Obviously, he has a one in a road course and the next-gen car on a road course. So there's definitely a little bit of question there. But winners win at the end of the day. That's something I've been listening to these last couple of weeks. Um, I heard it in some podcast. I don't think it was about racing or anything like that. It was just about sports in general. I think it was about football and just winners win. Like Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Guys that usually win, they figure out a way to continue to be dominant or just good for a part of the season that they're usually good at. Like Kyle Busch, he went to Richard Childress Racing. He manages to get three wins out of the number eight car in the first 20 races of the season. So, um, yeah, I would say Chase, he's going to figure out a way to run up front. We know he had the speed last week. There's momentum rolling with that. If you get off the truck fast, that's something I've seen with Chase. If he gets off the truck faster, 
he can figure out what he needs to do for the race on Sunday quicker and Saturday and in the morning of Sunday. It's not like confusing and wondering, oh, what do we have to do with the car here? We're going to have to spend the first stage kind of figuring out what changes we have to make to the setup. Um, there's none of that. When you roll off the truck fast on Saturday, you can start strategizing for the race. You can start saying, hey, we're starting up front in third place. Uh, which he did at Indy Road Course this past week, and he started third, correct? I want to say he did. Yes. Um, yeah, he started third. So that you're you're already a front runner. You're not chasing those guys, and these are things that everybody knows. But when Chase has that opportunity, he's running up front. He's one of those big guys that can win any given race. So give him the starting position that he needs, he can go ahead and potentially win the race. So what I'm saying here is pretty much on Saturday that will dictate, in my opinion, how well I think the nine car, how strong the nine car can be to potentially win on Sunday. If he can roll off in a top five position, I'd say the nine car is certainly the favorite and that's who I'd be betting on. Uh, but percentage wise, like you said, I'd give him right now the way it's feeling, everybody's kind of talking it up and it's teeing up to be a potential nine car win. I'd say right now it's a good 65%, honestly, a good 65. I think that's kind of right only because, you know, we have our fast guys on road courses. Tyler Reddick can come out of nowhere and, and win um, fourth place last week and Daniel Suarez third place. Um, so you guys, you, I mean, you got guys that are up there continuously running up front at road courses and Chase is just another one of those guys, but we look at him as being just a little bit better. Cause I mean, it's seven wins in what five, six years on road courses. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, Anything can happen, obviously. But if he starts up front, if we get a simpler race, like Indy Road Course was a lot of uh, strategy and it was really heavy on strategy. If that's kind of how Watkins gun plays out, it's not a bunch of cautions. Chase starts up front. Things start getting simplified. He has a fast car. He can run away with this thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a track that he has been so historically great at, I think it doesn't shape up to be any more potentially poetic than what it could be this weekend at Watkins Glen for him to be able to walk off, get that victory um, in what would be his third win at Watkins Glen. Um, so I think he definitely has a big shot. And we know these days in NASCAR at the road courses, he hasn't gotten that win yet uh, in the next gen car on these road courses. We know how the field's been evened out a little bit. We know how competitive the field is. Um, obviously, we saw by Michael McDowell of Front Row Motorsports absolutely whooping the field this weekend. Um you know, just proves that this field is the strongest it's ever been on road courses and the most equal it's ever been on road courses, I think, in the NASCAR Cup Series in, in a long time. So Chase Elliott's got two chances, and we talked about his first one at Watkins Glen. Let's talk a little bit about his second one at Daytona. If he doesn't get the job done at Watkins Glen, you go to Daytona. In a wild card race, we talked about it last week, how unpredictable that that race is going to be. Um, you never want to be in a points battle going into Daytona and you, it's like, you'd almost rather be in a must win situation going into Daytona than, a, than a points battle because a points battle, you know, you gotta, there's so many things you gotta work out at an unpredictable racetrack and it just likely isn't going to work out. Um, and so Chase Elliott is going to be, you know, assuming he doesn't win at Watkins Glen, he's going to join about 16 other drivers that are going to be in the same position as him. He is going to be in the same boat as Ty Dillon. And that is to win at Daytona and to get a must and to get a victory. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it, it's going to be tough. And I asked him about that and obviously he knows it's not ideal, but they're just going to have to game plan and be conservative and make sure that they're there, that they're there at the end. Now it's not a huge stat to read off, um, but 
He has two runner-up finishes at Daytona, both coming recently um, at the racetrack. He has two super speedway victories at Atlanta when he won last year, Talladega when he also won last year. So both of those races, he found ways to win. But there's just a different feeling, um, this playoff cutoff race at Daytona. Um, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be cars crashed. We were there last summer, Matt, on pit road watching, um, you know, BJ McLeod, um, Cody Ware, and David Reagan um, almost <laughs> almost have a shot at winning that race. Um, and, you know, the caution that um, was insane that we thought never should have happened uh, with <laughs> with the rain. Um, a very a very surreal race. But nonetheless, none. Any any Coke Zero Four Hundred at night has historically ended in some fireworks, some crashes, um, and so it's basically a race about survival. So now you go into this race, must win. Hendrick has had some recent success in the Coke Four Hundred, or at least Chevrolet, I should say. I mean, William Byron's gotten some victories as of late. Austin Dillon obviously won last year and his must win situation. And I believe that was the first time we saw somebody in a must win situation, get the victory at Daytona to put themselves in the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah. Cause when we switched, what was it? 20. Cause Byron won the first year and he wasn't in a must win, but he hadn't won yet. Positioned in the playoffs already. I think it was like yeah. that year. Matt made it. Yeah. He was right around with him. And then Ryan Blaney won in 21. I want to say. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, and then, so yeah, and then Austin Dillon getting the win last year was the first one to punch his ticket into the playoffs. Only lasted a round, but we think that Chase Elliott obviously punches his ticket into the playoffs. He's going to be a contender. That's the crazy thing about this is that obviously with the circumstances of the season, he's so far back, he's in a must-win situation. But if he goes ahead and gets himself in the playoffs, we're thinking round of eight. We're going to expect round of eight out of that team. Um, you know maybe the same with Alex I'd say not the same with Alex Bowman um but with Chase Elliott you just look at that guy kind of like what kind of like what you were just saying um you know when we came on this podcast is that he may have not had the best season so far but he's still the most talked about driver right he's the most popular driver he's a champion uh just under three years ago um and has been in the final four as well so the expectation is that he's going to go far in the playoffs if he makes the playoffs so Going into Daytona, long story short, obviously those that 65% chance is going to go down a little bit if he doesn't win at Watkins Glen, you think? Sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And so right. for uh he I'd 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 put him I'd put him a little bit higher than Ty, Ty Dillon to win the race. But you know, sure. as unpredictable as Daytona is, I don't think it's uh I don't think it's gonna be that high. Um but do you think he could get the job done at Daytona? Do you think do you think any of the past super speedway races could play into this? Like kind of like I'd mentioned Talladega Atlanta, he's won at both of them super speedway type tracks. Like, does that even if it, this wasn't the situation, are you picking him to be a, a race winning contender at Daytona? Uh yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously it's anybody's game, really. Um, but there's for his sake, there's too many variables that can go wrong at Daytona. But in some ways, I look at a Brad Keselowski. If we get two winner, if we get a new winner this weekend, like Chase, and then Brad's pushed down on the cut line, for example, like Brad, he gets to control his own destiny at Daytona, which he's very good at. With Chase, I haven't seen that kind of same, you know, outcome for him all every year where he's in the picture to win at Daytona every single season. So if I was like Chris Buescher and not locked into the playoffs, I would feel pretty confident to make it on points if I was in a good points position. 
or Bubba Wallace, let's say, too. Um, if you get through Watkins Glen, all right, that uh, should be pretty decent for Daytona. And he's been historically good on the super speedways. So I feel pretty confident in that and him making it on points as long as there's new, no new winner this weekend. So with Chase, I don't feel as confident only because, well, there's also a good point to make, to be made. Chase is already locked in every single season to the playoffs by this time. So there's no push for, you know, to run up front at Daytona. There's no, you know, urgency to get the win. So there's certainly a level to that, but you try to win any race you can and you want to win the final, the final race before the playoffs to give yourself momentum. Or if he's in a position to win the regular season uh, championship, that's a way to win it as well to get those 15 extra playoff points. So there's still things to be won and to be had. Uh, I'm not sure how close he was in those last couple of years, but I know he's definitely been up front, especially 2020, 2021. when he was running up front in the, in the points, 2022 i would say um did who won the regular season championship last year that is an amazing question i think it was jesus who was it why do i think that was chase elliott you know i'm gonna was it chase i want to say i don't know see this playoffs it's all just you know the regular season champion just really slips your mind now Um, it was yeah i knew it yeah so there you go i mean he had to run good at daytona last year let's say um i don't believe he had locked in before if he did then that's on me but um i don't believe he did so he eventually obviously finished fourth in the championship but this is not i'm not saying that this is an indicator for you know the whole thing to win the big prize at the end of the year um but yeah i i don't feel too confident in his ability to go ahead and just win it off the bat and do a real walk-off I would say that Watkins Glen is obviously the the top you know choice, and that's where he's got to he's got to perform, and he knows that. I'm not sure if you mentioned it in your interview. I haven't listened to it obviously yet. I'll listen it to when all the listeners get a chance to to um, go ahead and dive into that. But I would say he feels way more confident at Watkins Glen because there's less players there, and also it's less players. But also you don't have the the kind of pre race anxiety right before Daytona, like oh this is it. Like if I don't get it done, this is it. The season's over for us. We're well, we'll have to fight for 17th or whatever. We're locked in for wherever we're going to finish outside the top 20 in points. Yeah. And that's not what you want for your team. So it's um, it's it's necessary for Chase to win this race this weekend because Daytona might as well be a race where it's like, you know, out of completely out of my hands, uh, especially from Chase's position. Like I said, if you look at Brad, somebody like that, definitely more in a chance where it's like, okay, I get to go there, control my destiny. I'm pretty good there. I've known I've been historically finishing well there the last couple of years. Chase, I don't have that same confidence. I bet all the Chase fans are screaming at me right now, but I would say that, um, yeah, it's not, it's not unprobable, improbable. It's not like completely impossible, but it's not – I can't sit here and say, if I'm Alan Gustafson and I throw everything on Watkins Glen and I can throw away Daytona, that's definitely something I would do for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll see what happens. He's going to have a really good chance at Watkins Glen, and in my opinion, Daytona. We'll just see how it goes. So hopefully uh, in their eyes, hopefully they get that win this weekend at Watkins Glen. So we'll switch gears really quick to kind of recap the race at Indianapolis. Staying on Chase Elliott for a second, uh, ran pretty well, ultimately finished second, just a second behind 
that new big name in town, Michael McDowell, um, you know, who obviously had had one career win before this. He had won the Daytona 500 biggest race of the year back in 2021. Um, you know, the, all the fireworks that happened on the last lap of that race, it's a super speedway race. Um, but now to have this kind of win, a dominant win. I mean, he led so many laps. I mean, it wasn't even you can't you know, you can't say that he fluked into it. You can't say that he showed up right at the end. You couldn't you can't say that there was it was just a chaotic race because it wasn't. It was one of the cleanest races of the year. Um, there were no cautions outside the first uh, or second lap when Justin Haley got absolutely bamboozled, sent balls deep into the tire barriers by Joey Logano. That was it. Um, and so for Michael McDowell to get a win this big coming just off of the news that we received last week, as soon as we finished recording the podcast, we didn't get to talk about it, but the news that front row Motorsports has re-signed Michael McDowell and Todd Gillen. Now, obviously, yes, they brought them back, but it had to be a mutual agreement, right? Michael McDowell definitely had interest from other programs, whether, you know, we don't know how serious the interest was, but obviously if he really wanted to, he probably could have moved to a Stuart Haas racing. He could have moved to any other Ford organization. Maybe I could throw out, maybe he, maybe he could have gone to the 42 at Legacy Motor Club in Toyota. Who knows? There was definitely interest in him, but he has chosen to re-sign at Front Row Motorsports and also Front Row is committed to Todd Gilman for another full year. So I think it's a big statement from that team, but also from Michael McDowell, because he knows how talented he is. No, you know, um, we all know how talented he is, but of course he knows how talented he is. And he's going to keep that faith in front row motorsports that they're going to keep improving, getting better. And people probably questioned that that week. You know, I, I bet there were some people that there was obviously people that were like very happy that they got re-signed, that he's set for the next year. But I'm sure there was people like, oh, man, you could have gotten something better. You could have gone to another team. Like, you know, look at how talented you are. So he goes out the following week and he destroys the field at Indianapolis, leads a ton of laps, dominates the race and wins. And now he's locked into the playoffs um, a huge, huge statement victory. We've talked about statement victories the first two episodes of this podcast about Chris Busher and what our, him and RFK Racing have been doing. How about this statement victory for Michael McDowell and Front Row Motorsports? And, you know, kind of what, what does this mean for him, for the team, especially coming literally five days after he signed the extension? It was a big surprise to me that he showed up with speed, but like looking after the fact, it was not a surprise that he won the race, right? Like yeah. this is a guy who's been knocking on the door for some road course wins over the last couple of years or some really good road course runs. He's finished in the top 10, I would imagine numerous of times. I didn't look at the stat sheets, but uh, he's been historically good at Sonoma. I think he finished in the top five there last year when Daniel Suarez won. He was in the picture for the win. I listened to him on another podcast this past week where he went on a Denny Hamlin's podcast and kept talking about uh, they talked about how, um, you know, FRM is a little bit, you know, behind uh, other teams. And that's certainly a fact. Uh, they're an underfunded team that has had success in the NASCAR Cup Series over the last couple of years and over the last decade, I would say, um, of having good runs and four and four career wins to their to their tally. So it's um, it's really good to see the underdog win, I would say. But. At the same time, Michael, in some ways, is not the underdog. You know, I mean, I, 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 he is, but I would say that he is also like this guy who's become this, um, this surprise, this pleasant surprise in the Cup Series. He's run 
he's taken his equipment, he's run well with it, he's kept it clean, and he's consistently doing it. And when a team that is not necessarily there with the funding can have an experienced driver like that, putting all the intel that they know and all the information towards the engineering program, towards how fast the cars can be, the fab shop, all those things, it's it's uh, it's incomparable. Like it's, it's it's something you can't get out of a young driver. It's not something you can get out of six, seven million dollars a year coming from like a Brandon Jones with Menards. It's a guy who can completely immerse himself in this team and take it to the next level because he knows the sport so well. He's been driving different generations of cars and he's good on these niche racetracks where if you can push and give him a fast enough car, he can go and win. And that's exactly what we saw at Indianapolis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you give him the car and he's going to make it happen. I thought that point was definitely interesting. Something that that we've known, but maybe not everybody knew how, you know, how much other teams have in front row Dustin as far as just week to week preparation, simulation time, everything. Um, you know, other teams are going to have a lot more. Um, you know, the guy sitting across that table, Denny Hamlin, has a lot more access to a lot more than Michael McDowell does on a weekly basis. Um, and for them to start would- go out there. Right. I would say we we know like how they're an underfunded team and how they probably don't have a, a Hawkeye system and stuff like that. So they can go ahead and figure out what's wrong on the car, the inspection process when they show up to the track. That way they don't have to go through inspection once or twice. They can just or twice um, and they don't have to you know waste time on that. They can figure out where can they find the advantage in the race car. Um, I would say we we knew that they were an underfunded team. But we didn't exactly know what that meant, right? The lack of simulator time that he has, the the rented Hawkeye from uh, RFK, all those things. He he didn't know. We didn't know the extent of how far or, or how you know underfunded these teams exactly are, and what they're truly losing when that means when they are one of those teams. Yeah, because I think a lot of people just ultimately resort to it. I mean, we all did as you know when we were kids and didn't know as much about the sport you know when you hear somebody that's underfunded or a smaller team we're just like oh well their engine just don't go as fast you know <laughs> they just got exactly. they just got and they just don't have enough power under that hood that's simple you know the driver can do the work but you know there's a lot of things that go into it um you know and a lot of preparation that goes into those being a part of a team like hendrick motorsports dragons racing you have so much um than you do at a smaller organization that's why you know people like Ross Chastain, um, Alex Bowman, um, you know, have, have spoken about those types of things because they raced for the smaller organizations, you know, they're in the Xfinity series and the truck series, even in the cup series as well. And they know what that feeling is like. And so that's why, you know, when they get to a team like Hendrick uh, for Bowman and for Trackhouse for Chastain, they ain't taking those opportunities uh, for granted. Um, and, and Michael McDowell's goal is to get front row to that point at some point. We know that they have the relationship with RFK Racing that they started. I believe it was the beginning of 2022 um, that they started kind of a little partnership. Or was it 21? It might have been uh, 21, I want to say. But I would I would imagine it got stronger once Brad got over there. Yeah, it got much stronger, yeah, for RFK. And now it's kind of because it makes sense because these two teams are now starting to flourish at the same time. Um, yeah. Big time. Yeah, they really are not just flourish in the middle of the field that we've seen all year. Cause they've been flourishing all year, you know, don't, don't get us wrong here, but they are flourishing now because we're talking race wins. We're talking back to back for Chris Busher. We're talking, you know, second career win first statement victory for Michael McDowell. Um, so it's been really big. Yeah. Really big to see what they can do here. Um, you. But, you know, 
we take it now to Watkins Glen, where I think Michael McDowell can be a very big contender. Like I, you know, as the, the joke is Indianapolis, like, you know, Michael McDowell was the man that stopped Chase Elliott from getting, from getting a victory standing in the way of his playoff hopes. Michael McDowell has been very good at Watkins Glen in the past. And if, what I remember from last year, he was leading laps at the beginning of that race. And so when you told me the surprising part, you know, wasn't him finishing the race off. Um, you know, the surprising part to me about this weekend was the long-term speed. Cause I feel like we've seen McDowell qualify up front. We've seen him, you know, lead, maybe lead some laps, but I feel like majority of it's been like at the beginning of the race, you know, the problem has been pit stops, staying up front, having that long run speed, not having any issues. Um, and for a race to go all green for them to have multiple green flag stops and they didn't lose track position or at least a, a hefty amount of track position, um, is a big statement to them. And that was the biggest surprising factor to me. So now we go into Watkins Glen, a track where he's been good at in the past as well. Is he, do, do we consider Michael McDowell's chase Elliott's biggest like threat for him winning at, at Watkins Glen this week? Or do we still have some other names up there that you'd put above McDowell? Yeah. I found it really funny as well. Like that Michael was the guy that was like standing in the way of chases win because chase went through all this, all this garbage all throughout the year, the injury, the penalty and being uh, suspended. It was funny that there was one driver that stood in the way on the day where he had seemingly a race winning car. And it was Michael McDowell, the guy who's only won one previous race and who always runs good at road courses, but not typically fighting for the win towards the end of the race. Like you mentioned, he's so good towards the beginning of the race. He shows speed, but then he falls off due to, you know, being in a smaller team, not having the prime pit crew like a Hendrick Motorsports or Joe Gibbs Racing or a Team Penske. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it Michael will definitely show up with speed again. I don't believe that he's going to be um, a race uh, contending driver, a winning contending driver. I only say that because it's hard to believe that he would do it two weeks in a row. I'm not saying a top three, top four, top five finish is not probable. I would say that's definitely a possibility. Um, but I don't think that Michael will have the same speed. It won't translate exactly to next week. And some guys are going to step it up a little bit, especially guys who are in positions where they need to certainly get wins. So Chase, Daniel Suarez, um, and uh, there's one other guy that needs that one, Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs as well, right? And those guys are all – I mean, Ty Gibbs hasn't won a cup race, yes, but – all guys that I feel like are capable of potentially winning on Sunday. Obviously, Chase, I put my favoritism towards there just because I think that he has the best chance to win. Um, but, yeah, some other guys that are are up there, um, you know, best, best scenario for a guy like Chase is not having Daniel win. So drivers like Kyle Larson, um, Joey Logano, who have finished up in the top three just last year. I'm looking at A.J. Allmendinger finished second, which I wasn't aware of. Completely forgot that. Um, that's another curveball right there. He did not have a good indie road course at all. Uh, getting spun out by Ryan Blaney there, a, a mess of a race for him. Really the worst race I'd say I've seen AJ Almendinger on a road course in a very long time, uh, for him. He usually runs up front. So Watkins Glen is a mainstay of NASCAR, Watkins Glen and Sonoma. I could certainly see AJ who has a lot of experience at Watkins Glen run up front if they bring a fast car for him. And then I got three guys who, or two guys that will just, continuously run well at road courses. In my opinion, that's Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick, two guys who are locked in the playoffs. They're not variables that will ruin anything for Chase, Daniel, um, or Ty Gibbs. Those three guys, those two guys I definitely see running up front. I can't dismiss Kyle Larson. 
even though he doesn't really have the speed, he has the speed right now, but the execution is not coming all together for them right now. He's won the last two races at Watkins Glen. I put him, Christopher Bell, and Tyler Reddick in this three driver like packet here that can certainly go ahead and try to, you know, ruin the days of guys that are trying to get in the playoffs. But Hendrick Motorsports is Hendrick Motorsports. Larson and the five team need to also be aware of the nine team situation, right? There's going to be some helping out there. Alex Bowman had a surprisingly good run at the road course and any road course. I did not expect that last week. I said, nothing he has shown to me has been, you know, proving to me that he can potentially win at a road course. I believe he finished fifth. Last year, he finished 14th at Watkins Glen. They bring speed. He can run up front. And let's just say we get a crazy race. You know, last week wasn't. Let's just say we get a crazy race. I said he wouldn't win a road course outright. So that means that, you know, some crazy things are going to have to happen. We've seen some crazy things happen at the Glen, potentially Alex Bowman. So there's there's Chase, there's Suarez, there's Reddick, there's Bell, there's Larson and Bowman. Those, you know, kind of five, six drivers, I believe, will all be up there competing for the win guys that are in a dire need to be, be in victory lane and then some other guys who might just show up with some speed and who have been historically good at that track yeah i can't wait to see you know the potential contenders we have and someone that i always think of that really when when he came to nascar not came to nascar came to the cup series and kind of had his first few road course races he did really good and i thought that would make him kind of an ultra contender on these road courses and the name i'm talking about is austin singer I feel like I mentioned him last week as like a guy you throw in there as a wild card where you were kind of just waiting for him. To, he was so dominant in the Xfinity road courses when he'd run the cup races. He was like guaranteed top five, even when he was in that 33 car running pretty fast um, at Coda. And I think he ran Road America as well. Um, he lets him lapse at Coda that first yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And I think even at the very beginning of last year, he started out very well in the road courses. And so we've seen this a lot. Something that I mentioned, I think, last week, too, is that he's in a sophomore slump. Hasn't been the year that they wanted. Not like a, a terrible, abysmal year where they are, I guess, you know, they're only 105 points back at the cutoff. But they're still only <laughs> like 21st, 22nd um, in the point standing. So like for the year that maybe we thought it's been, it hasn't been as bad, but still not the year that you want and not the year that you want for the Penske number two car, you know, um, just given the history of that car. Um, so coming into this weekend it's just strange because you know he he has one career win it was the daytona 500 back in 2022 last year um and outside of that still had somewhat of a good year pretty consistent like they weren't really slow at by any means they didn't have the greatest year it wasn't it wasn't nothing like brad two car you know that you know brad kozlowski that blue deuce um you know was on fire obviously on rails when brad kozlowski drove that car um but you know, for a for a rookie year it was pretty solid for him. I just have we just haven't really seen that this year. It's been a real sophomore slump. Um yeah, and it's to the point where we're going into these road courses and I'm like forgetting about him. Like last year it was yeah. almost like a guarantee. I'd throw him into my top five, be like, Well, you gotta watch Austin Sindrick. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta, you know, watch AJ Almendinger. I think you still do. Um, but mainly for Austin Sindrick. I like I just think it's the sophomore slump. I mean, do you think there's a chance he comes back next year. Do you think it's really that sophomore slump or did you feel were were you a guy that kind of felt this last year? Like, did you feel like he had the year that you were expecting out of Austin Sindrick and have you expected more? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's much you can demand from a rookie driver, especially in a situation where he went straight to Penske, a top organization, very yeah. similar to Ty Gibbs. I don't remember him really having a great like stretch of races where we're talking about Ty Gibbs right now. He's in the middle of summer. Yeah, He's pretty hot good. right now. Yeah, I mean, they've been heating up, right? 
Now we know historically with Penske, there's certain sections of the season where they're not really running that well. So if you have Joey Logano not running up front, how are you going to expect the rookie driver to be running up front? And when it's just his first season in cup. So, yeah, I don't remember him having like highs, highs, but last year there was no super low lows. You know, there was no like, Oh, was this guy exactly ready for cup? It's not a Harrison burn in the 21 car situation where we're like, okay, there's a stretch of races here. This guy is completely lost. The speed is not there. Right. So this year I, like you said, I can't, you're kind of forgetting him about at these road courses. I kind of am as well, honestly. And uh, I didn't really think about him even being a contender. And that's kind of surprising only because I've, you know, both of us and everybody in, in the NASCAR garage would think that, you know, Austin is a, is a perennial favor to win at road courses. And certainly he is, but lately he hasn't been showing that. So you, start to question because this sport is what have you done for me lately? And he hasn't done too much lately on the road courses. He hasn't led a ton of laps. And once he does, that proves to me that, Hey, okay, this guy every year can be consistent on road courses. And, and certainly that's not what he wants. He wants to be great on the ovals. This is his career. He's making a career out of this. He went from, he went from trucks to Xfinity. He's learned the ovals. He's developed, developed his talent on all types of racetracks, but when you are a road course specialist and you're in the cup series, and in this situation, you need a last minute win to make the playoffs. You certainly want to extract that talent from yourself from yourself and put that in the race car and go ahead and say, Hey guys, I know we don't have a win this year, but I'm pretty good at road courses right now. I don't feel like that. That's the case that he can't just say, all right, guys, not a great year. We'll bank on the win at Watkins Glen. It's a sophomore slump, like you said, and a lot of guys have sophomore slumps. Not Todd Gilliland, apparently, in the 38 car. Obviously, there's some off weekends there. Underfunded team, like we mentioned before, lacks some resources. Somebody like Todd Gilliland has definitely been punching up, up above his weight class. He's he's doing a pretty good job there. Where it's somebody at like Penske, somebody at, you know, maybe Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs has a tougher year next year in his sophomore slump. There's definitely a possibility for that. We've seen that over the over years. Kyle Larson had a sophomore slump. Chase Elliott, um, I would say, increased, but it wasn't like okay, hey, we're we're winning races now. He still took the took to the third year, his third year in Cup to win races. Austin Sindrick, when do we see him win? I don't want to say the five hundred wasn't a illegitimate win, but to win not on a super speedway, lead a race, control a race, manage strategy, manage tires, and win that race. It could be another year for sure. And there's a lot of pressure this weekend. I don't see him getting it done. I don't even see him showing up with enough speed to win the race. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's a great analogy there. And you brought up one other Ford driver that I kind of want to detail on before we kind of start to wrap it up and and uh, give our race picks for Watkins Glen. Let's talk about Harrison Burt uh, in that yeah, 21 sure. car because I feel like we forget to talk to him. We forget, you know being all honest here we forget to talk about it because we forget about it to be honest yeah. um that i think that's just the plain simple truth here um you know the wood brothers 21 has not you know been under great recognition the last three years um and that's just the reality um you know the last time that we saw that car contending for race wins matt de benedetto had um some yeah. shots at winning some races don't get me wrong but when it was i think it was a contender when ryan blaney was behind the wheel of that car um, sure. obviously we know, we remember his first win at Pocono, um, you know, holding off Kevin Harvick and what a show that finish was, um, making the playoffs. Um, 
and we just haven't seen that. And we really um, haven't seen that um, since Harrison Burton's taken over that car. So I, I understand young driver here. We knew what he was getting into when they put him in the car. We we're like, okay, is he ready? Have we seen enough? We didn't see too much in the truck series. I thought he was a guy where I was like, he's going to flourish more in Xfinity. Cause I think that's really where you get to show your true colors. One, two races, his initial year went back the second year, went winless. Um, but still had a good points year, get sent to cup for Wood Brothers. So, you know, two years in the cup series, it's been back and forth. I think a little bit for Harrison, they've had somewhat good runs, but I feel like only in races where there's like big strategy going on. I think that's it. Um, do you think after this year, I, I can't remember what exactly his contract situation is. We never really know um, what, people's contract situations are but i imagine it's a year-to-year deal do you pull the plug are there any drivers that are sitting in the waiting seat that you feel like are worthy to take that 21 car and would you think it would be too early to pull the plug on harrison burton or do we give him another year in 2024 just uh checked on jay ski here it says the harrison burton is contract is up following the 2023 years i imagine yeah wait there's um yeah, year to year, more or less, um, I would say. That makes sense for the 21 car. It kind of has felt like a development car over the last couple of years since they put Blaney in it um, after P. Menard left. So, yeah, it's – um, I mean, even – I I remember even Paul Menard kind of running decent in this 21 car. And, and yeah. I thought with the introduction of the next-gen car that this team would take it to the next level, right? This would make them closer to Penske – and this would just make them generally run up front more. I, we mentioned FRM a lot. I'm sorry to go back to them. But a big part of why they've been running well and, and better, honestly, is while Brad Kozowski went over to RFK, RFK has been doing, you know, obviously extremely well. But the introduction of the next-gen car has helped that team, I believe, immensely. It's definitely rushed some things that would happen in six to seven years if we didn't have a car that had parts and pieces that were shared amongst all the teams in the Cup Series. Similar to Stuart House Racing, um, or I'm sorry, not Stuart House Racing. Uh, who's the other team I wanted to mention? I don't even remember now, but um, no, yeah, I'm not even sure. No, yeah, just RFK is a pure, pure example of that. And FRM is exactly the same way. This has definitely rushed some things for them. And the 21 car, I haven't seen that exact same, you know, improvement. And it's really unfortunate because Harrison was a guy in Xfinity. Yes, four wins. Didn't really compete for a championship. He was never a championship favorite. Um, I believe that it was 2020, right? Did he make the final four in 2020 and Austin Sindrick won the championship that year? Chase Briscoe was hot on the short tracks. I want to say it's Harrison 20, made the 2021. 2020, 2020, right? He raced 2020 and 2021 in the cut. Uh, yeah, that was the year Chase Briscoe had a really good year, but they just couldn't really hit it on the shorter tracks. Austin Sindrick came through clutch because um, I think it was Sindrick, Allgaier, Briscoe, and I don't think I don't know. Oh, might have been No Gregson. Final Four? Yeah. Sounds more yeah. like No Gregson. I would that assume. sounds like more like No Gregson. But I want to say that Harrison never made the Final Four then. I think I think he did. Don't I want to say. I don't know. He won um, Martinsville one year, but I don't know if he was in like the, the playoffs. That gotcha. Season. Yeah, I was just checking it out now. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for the listeners and and for for you, RJ, and everybody in the in the Cup Series, I mean, everybody in in NASCAR Garage, it's like the Cup Series is hard. Everybody knows that, right? I mean, when you take that next step, Sunday racing is not easy. Uh, there's been a lot of guys that have said that. I saw Justin Marks tweet this past week. 
where a guy said that, you know, we had Daniel running up front, but where's Ross's speed been since Nashville, right? And that's sort of true. Uh, but he said the Cup Series is hard, man. And then uh, Josh Balicki tweeted back at that and said, you know, when I, I'm racing harder for 30th in the Cup Series or around 30th than Xfinity for 11th to 15th place. And that's completely yeah. true. I would say, you know, the guys at the back are running really, really hard. And Harrison has been a guy that probably hasn't been able to adapt to that so well. Um, and especially in a team, obviously, he's not in a top team. I would say the 21 car at its max can be a B-level team. We saw that with Ryan Blaney. Um, and I would say that they're they're putting everything in there to be quick. I don't I don't I do believe the 21 car has speed. You'd have to consider evaluating another driver by putting them in that car like a zane smith or something like that right zane smith uh, was going to be the guy that i threw in there first you know right. with his current situation being yes. where we know it'd be an interesting jump from trucks to cup but yes. you know who just did that todd gillen and i think for yes. zane to have obviously he has experience in xfinity he's ran almost a whole season there um mm-hmm. and now he's gotten cup experience this year had a race last year um, yep. I'm willing to, you know, while he hasn't been the dominant truck in trucks this year, um, I'm still willing to say that Zane Smith would be very deserving of the cup ride 2024. Yeah, I would say so. And he proved that at his gateway start in the 17 car. I believe he yeah. finished like what's 16 to 18, somewhere around there. And that's really impressive. First cup start and finishing in the top 20 running in the top 20 is something that's very impressive. We could see Carson Hosevar potentially do the same thing, jump from trucks to cup and, you know, it, it's become it's becoming this thing where, you know, you don't have to run all three series. It's either, you know, you skip trucks, kind of like Ty Gibbs, Sammy Smith situation. Of course, if money is, you know, the right way for you and it's coming to, to you, you have some sponsors to bring to a team. The truck series is a similar way. They're going to trucks and some guys are skipping trucks and going to cups. So, um, you know, maybe I know like Tony Stewart has always said this and I always say don't rush guys. But maybe give them two years in one of these series, and then maybe they're ready for cup, right? And maybe not in a top-level team like Ty Gibbs at Joe Gibbs Racing or Austin Sindrick at Team Penske. Harrison, like I said, not at a top-performing team, but the performance is certainly not there. And there's nothing else I can say about it other than if you want to run up front, I think you're going to have to replace the driver, right? He's on the hot seat for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you got some solid free agents that we're going to look at next year. We know Shane Van Gisbergen. and isn't really on the market because I would assume he's going to be at track house next season. He's going to be at, you know, he's going to be at Chevrolet next season. We know that. Um, yes. And whether, you know, what that looks like, I know Justin Marks is uh, fighting, not fighting for a charter, but he's explored that they've been exploring the market for a third track house charter for a while, but I think they're, they're not going to throw him in there full time. And I think what the word no, is no. probably just have that developmental deal where I'm sure he'll run truck races for Nice. I'm sure he'll run some Xfinity races for colleague and he'll run some cup races in the 91, probably an uncharted entry um, that'll run here and there. Um, you think over series. under two wins for him next year and probably road like courses across where, everything. Where, yeah. Where did those wins come from? Maybe one oval, two road courses. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I mean, the ovals is definitely a tough one just because yeah. it's hard. You got to be really good to get a nice motorsports truck in victory lane, especially yeah. like a second option, depending on how yeah. much they really put into like the 41 or 44, whatever he gets put in. Um, you know, he'll probably hop in that colleague 10 car, whatever colleague all-star car. 
We know how tough the Xfinity Series field is, so that one's going to be interesting as well. Um, I don't know. I say he gets—he definitely gets at least one checkered flag next season, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be a tough year for him for sure. It will be tough. The learning curves, obviously, especially on the ovals. To counter that, what you said, yeah, it would be hard to put like a second or third Nice Motorsports truck in victory lane because of how good Carson Hosovar has been in the 42, and we've seen that car kind of get that truck kind of run up front or not comparable to his teammates, just run up in the top 10 while his teammates are kind of running the 15th to 25th place positions. But he might not be there next year. So knowing that Shane is coming, knowing knowing that there's money coming to the team, you got potential for big sponsorships here. Maybe Red Bull comes with him. The priority might be to give, you know, Shane some good performing trucks and to see really what he can do out there. The fastest way to do a full, a full Xfinity season, I think would be cool. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like full truck season could be lackluster. We know what the truck series is like. I feel like a full Xfinity season would be something like a real tech. Cause we know how hard those cars are to drive. I get they're different than the next gen cars, obviously. But I think if he wants to run a full season and a full, truly competitive season, um, mm-hmm. you know, with some medium sized races, um, not super short races sure. like the trucks. Cause obviously he's yeah, going to have sure. to gear himself up for 500 miles at Darlington. I think, running a full Xfinity season would be a good option. So um, I think that'd be something they'll probably explore with colleague and things like that. But as far as like the other free agents, I know we have Zane Smith. Um, I don't know how many guys, I mean, Ty Dillon's always a free agent. Um, Don't think he'll be in the 21 next year, but you know, money talks here and there, Um, man, you know, it'd be godly be JJ Yaley in the 21. Let's be honest. Oh, that'd be crazy. That would be honest. Be- Let's talk about it for just a quick second before we do sure. end up wrapping up. I mean, JJ Yaley's had a solid year. I mean, that yeah. man has come out in the 15 car. And because usually it's like, you know, Rick Ware Racing will have their all-star drivers. They'll have their road course, you know, guys that'll come out and run races. They've had Ryan Newman run races this year. Um, the dude's average finish in his 16 races are 20, 25th. He is as an average finish of 25th for the Rick Ware Racing 15 car. I think that's really good. Um, because he's come out and, and run, let's see, 11th at Talladega he's had this year, 16th uh, in the Coke 600, um, 7th at Atlanta. Um, he's got top 25s all across the board. Um, and so, like, J.J. Yaley, and we don't know what Rick Ware Racing is going to look like next year because we know Justin Haley's going to be over there, but do they keep two full-time cars? Um, I would assume they do. Um, but what does that second car look like? You know, what does their equipment look like um, next year? What does their speed look like? So, you know, if they get JJ Yaley and, you know, you got to do some of that second other car, man, let's get JJ or, or did I say JJ Yaley? Justin Haley. If they get Justin Haley in that car. Um, but the goaded two car lineup would be JJ Haley and JJ Yaley. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, Justin Haley used to call himself J.J. Haley. He was J.J. Haley, and he was confused with J.J. Haley, and now J.J. Haley and J.J. Haley could be on the same team, and that could make... They could be, yeah, you're right. Or, or what about if it's like a swap? Like, they just trade, like a like a trade in the NFL or something. That would be pretty they funny. They could. They could yeah. trade cars each week. Yeah, we we saw that with Busher and Senhouse pretty much, more or less. Just no real trade happened. Oh, so you're saying we put JJ Ailey in the 31 college entry? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm saying let's let's get JJ Ailey maybe in some C level equipment, let's say. And quick, quick thing you bring up Justin Haley. Justin Haley may did he make a mistake going RWR knowing that maybe the 21 car could be open up? I know, I know that you know, you don't want to bet on that, right? You don't want to, yeah. you want to 
you want to put your future in your hands and you want to make a decision before November comes around, December comes around, and you're like, wow, I'm without a ride and I'm not going to be racing in the Cup Series next year because there's nothing. But knowing that there's potentially some rides off, you know, for offer, we could easily be saying this, but next week Harrison Byrne comes out with an announcement that he'll be back in the 21 car. Wood Brothers announces that too. However, let's just say some guys, some guys miss some sponsorship next year or somebody like Harrison, who's not performing that well, they go ahead and, you know, want to go in a different direction. Potentially did just Justin make some type of mistake that he could have been open for some other rides. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because I think he took the ride at Wickwear Racing because it was confirmed that he could get it. Um, because I know that there's not too many rides open for next year, and the ones that we're talking about yeah. aren't like guaranteed. Exactly. So right. I know drivers, especially in today's day and age, you it seems like you either get your deal done real early or you're waiting in the off season in January figuring something out for next year. And so exactly. I know. You know, in today's day, they don't want to take that chance. And it seemed like that deal had to be real concrete at Wicker Racing because the way he put it, he didn't even know if he was going to be back at Colic, um, which is still crazy to think about. And I still think more is going to come out about that situation because it just doesn't yeah. seem right. I mean, he was Colic Racing's guy. They invested so much in him. And just to walk away from that is crazy to Rick Ware Racing is also crazy. And that's not to shame Rick Ware Racing at all. Because they're only on the come up, you know, they're not on the downfall, they're on the rise as an yeah. organization, not only all across motorsports, but their cup series program has obviously improved drastically, and they're going to going to continue to improve and they look at a, at a team like front row motorsports as an inspiration um, mm -hmm. to continue to keep grinding they have a partnership also with RFK. So all those teams are kind of linked together. And people kind of say, okay, is Justin Haley going to be Brad's replacement after Brad retires? Is that how this is going to go? Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's good to totally premeditate that because I do still think Brad has years left of his career and he does believe that too. He's been vocal about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting question that I still think we're going to find out more about as the year goes on. Like we're, I think once we get to the end of this season, our perspectives, I think are going to be a little bit different because we're, I think more, we're going to hear more about it. We're going to hear more about, okay, maybe, okay. Rick, we're racing is going to come out and say, okay, we're doing this next year. This is going to improve. You know, we've partnered with whatever, um, you know, to get this deal done and then something will come Perfect. out and say, Oh, colleague was doing this the whole time, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know doesn't make a ton of sense now, but I feel like it will make sense once we get mm -hmm. to the end of the year. Like things will come out, you know, how it goes. And then we'll like be like, oh, OK, this is why he did it. Seems like one right. of those moves because it doesn't seem like like, you know, he had such a great future colleague. He was their guy just to move to yeah. Rick Racing. It seems crazy, but it, but it can't be right. There's got to be some reason behind it. So, I guess yeah, we'll, and one, one last. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a possibility in that. Some things will, an Adam Stern tweet will kind of give us some clarity, I guess, yeah. maybe an Adam bomb or something. But um, yeah, I think there's a, I, I love that you bring up, you know, FRM and stuff like that. There's definitely a, an upward trajectory that the RWR team is going on. And he sees that potential outlook. Something I don't like, though, is that everybody keeps saying, you know, he potentially sees himself in the six car. I don't think you ever sign a deal with the hope that you're going to overtake, you're going to take over a car in four or five years or three, five yeah. years, you know, like that, that's something that's a little ridiculous. Like, you know, Justin has to be realistic with himself. Yes, he's young, but if that's the case, you kind of got to look at your future here. And if the only way to be in the cup series was Rick Ware, that's completely fine. I know we're, we're harking on stuff that came out about a month ago, but 
there's no there's no wrong move here because while he had he wants to stay in the cup series that's going to prolong his career obviously this he he wants racing to be his career he's been in racing for for many many years we've heard of justin haley's name for a very long time so his long-term investment here if that's the only place he had to go then that's the only place he has to to be at right um so that's his only option but Somebody, some somebody saying that oh he's hoping to take over the six car in a couple of years. Well, yes, that's a nice thought, but that's not the only reason you sign the contract. Yeah, exactly. A little bit, a little bit far fetched. Um, so exactly. we'll, like I said, this some stuff will probably come out. We'll see, and then we'll I guess understand why he ended up making that decision. But nonetheless. We'll get it wrapped up here. We're going into Watkins Glen this weekend. I think going to be another fun road course race to watch. Um, we'll see how chaotic it is or see how unchaotic it is. But nonetheless, let's get our race picks out of the way. We can do Xfinity as well. Uh, we got Xfinity at Watkins Glen this weekend. I can kind of just run you down the entry list here real quick. Obviously, uh, the changes that were made, the all-stars we have in the field um, is Kyle Busch being in the 10 car um, for oh, colleague cool. racing this weekend. Um, you got Alex Bowman, who's entered in that Hendrick Motorsports number 17. Ty Gibbs is back once again in the 19, trying to defend his race win from last week. Um, you got Stefan Parsons is back with Alpha Prime in the 44. Sage Karam's back in the 45. Ross Chastain still in that 91. And then Max McLaughlin making his Xfinity Series debut in the 96 for FRS Racing. They will be attempting Ooh, yeah. to qualify to their first show of the year. And then SS Greenlight Racing, who's had a tragic last month, it seems like. Uh, double DNQs um, mm-hmm. at, uh, at Indianapolis now come out strong with Alex LeBay in the 08 and Josh Balicki in the 07. Um, so, and then obviously you got your Xfinity Series regulars that are going to be on the hunt. Justin Allgaier, Cole Custer, Sam Mayer, Sammy Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, just to name a few. Who are you looking at this weekend for the Xfinity Series before we jump into the Cup Series? Because I think it'll be another great uh, Xfinity race on the road course. Yeah, uh, I just pulled up the entry list here. I'm going to go Xfinity regular, Xfinity flagship, Justin Allgaier. He's been struggling these last couple of weeks. They have immense speed in that seven car, but unfortunately some things get in the way for him to win the race, whether that's uh pit road uh, woes or some strategy missed calls. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been paying too close attention to the Xfinity series the last couple of weeks, but every time I check tweets or I watch most of the race, it's always just a guy running up front and he has, and eventually runs into a problem. So um, I think this is where he cleans it up. I think, you know, a guy that's typically good on the road courses, Watkins Glen can certainly be uh, a place where he visits Victory Lane. Um, has he done it before, Watkins Glen? Justin Allgaier, don't believe so, no. Don't believe so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to say say he gets the first career win at Watkins Glen. I'm going to look that up as you take your pick. Yeah, um, for sure. Justin Allgaier, yeah, I was just looking it up. It doesn't believe. It's just showing me him crashing, so it doesn't look like – uh, that's not good for my pick <laughs> <laughs> on the on the flip side um uh for my race pick yeah i do want to do a regular because i guess it's easy to pick a cup guy ty gibbs is probably going to come back very strong. Yeah. um but i'll ty go i'll go a guy with some wgi experience from the cup series i'll go cole custer uh for my i'll pick an xfinity series regular there uh two road course I mean, wins on the year one two road course races yeah Exactly. Um, he and so I think he'll be able to get the job done. Um, but I think it'll be a good race. You'll have a lot of contenders up there at the front. It's really, I mean, it's really going to be who can put the fight to Ty Gibbs. Um, I think 
interesting enough, it's Kyle Busch who's in the 10 car this week. How strong will he be on a road course in the Xfinity series? I don't know how recent he's run a road course in the Xfinity series. Um, besides, I think when he ran Road America um, a few years back. Um, so now he'll be in the 10. Ty Gibbs will be in the 19. That'll be interesting to see them battle throughout the race. We know the history there. Um, and then on Sunday, the next day, we'll have the Cup Series at Watkins Glen. And I'll go ahead and kind of got a lot of good contenders here. I know we've talked about how good Chase Elliott's going to be. you got Kyle Larson. I thought of an interesting scenario where Kyle Larson takes the win from Chase Elliott, but we'll see. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> But my race pick, let's go balls to the wall. Uh, I picked AJ Allmendinger last week. That obviously ended very tragically. Um, I think – Poetically, that's Chase Elliott's going to walk it off. He's going to be my race pick. Um, I think, yeah, I think it just that speaks for itself. I think he's going to walk it off poetic fashion. Chase Elliott, third career win at Watkins Glen, the most important of the year, possibly his career besides winning the championship. Um, yeah, I think he gets yeah. it done. That's fair enough to say. I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah, because he's on that playoff streak and everything yeah. like that. Something that we haven't mentioned, right? He's running for that Jimmy Johnson, you know, title where yeah. you're making the most consecutive playoffs of all time. I, I want to say it's going to be one of those guys at the cut line. I've been really big on Christopher Bell. I just got a feeling like Christopher Bell is going to run really well this weekend. I feel like he's going to yeah. be kind of fast. I don't know if I'm crazy by saying that, but I think I think there's there's a chance where he shows up with a fast car. Truex is probably going to be up there. Denny's been good at the road courses too, or he's not good at the road courses, but he's been quick every single week. There's been speed at Joe Gibbs Racing. We mentioned it. There's it's very easy to say one Mike, Michael McDowell win, one FRM win, one road course has definitely murked up the year. Like two weeks ago, we were saying Joe Gibbs Racing is the number one you know team. They're so fast, but now we kind of forgot about that with this weekend being such a the surprise it was. I believe they kind of come back towards the front. Shurex and Bell run up front, and there will obviously be the playoff you know contenders, the guys right around the bubble um, that will uh, that will be running right with them. I would say, but I'm going to say Christopher Bell goes for the win. I'm not picking Chase only because I picked him a couple weeks ago on our first episode to win at Michigan. And number two, you also just picked him, so I don't want to pick the same guy. I want to go with a different guy. So I'm going to say Bell gets the win. I think that subsequently puts Chase out of the playoffs, I would say. It makes sense that he would win, but I'm going to go a little different here. As much as I believe he'll win, I, he's a very close second, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go Christopher Bell gets the win. Yeah, for sure. That's real. Christopher Bell's a good selection. Uh, he's been good on the road course in the past. Toyota's been strong. Yeah. Joe Gibbs Racing um, has been strong. So I think it's a good pick. It's going to be a fun weekend at Watkins Glen. Um, great third official episode of the Pace Labs podcast. I know I've kind of merged this with what was formerly the driver's meeting. So officially we were 75 episodes down. Obviously you started in the driver's meeting in the past before. Um, yep. So this is officially episode 76 of the driver's meeting Pace Lab saga, but obviously third episode of our new Pace Labs, Chase Elliott, um, officially joining the show. Really cool. Um, and we'll see who our, our guests um, come in the future. Um, I think it'll be a, a fun end to the season. Lots of great topics to talk about, but also a lot of great stars to talk to on this show. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, just one quick thing. I mean, if uh, anybody wants, anybody's listening and wants to leave us a comment or review anything like that, 
maybe we can start introducing some other motorsports in, in the topics, like just one quick topic covering some IndyCar stuff or Formula One stuff. Uh, there's been a bunch of stuff going on in IndyCar right now with Alex Pillow and his whole contract saga wanting to stay at Chip Ganassi Racing after honoring, saying that I would honor the McLaren contract. He's reversing on that, saying I'm going to stay at Chip Ganassi Racing. So it's kind of like last year, a crazy contractual uh, disaster for him, but uh, and he's about to be crowned champion in IndyCar as long as he makes eight points this weekend or a certain amount of points. Uh, I don't know exactly the championship scenario, but he's definitely going to be crowned IndyCar champion this year for a second time in his career. So if anybody wants to hear any more thing about anything else about motorsports, I'd love to talk about it. And I know RJ, you know, you you spent some time in some other motorsports for sure. So we can always just go over some things like there. We're mainly a NASCAR show, I know, and you know maybe we don't have exactly the time to throw in some IndyCar stuff, but if there's anything big over there, definitely it's interesting to go ahead and cover that um, because everything is coming together. I feel like with motorsports, we've been talking about a lot of motorsports together, supercars and NASCAR and IndyCar and NASCAR just this past weekend on the Indy road course together. So, um, you know, motorsports is one big family. So if we can try to maybe put in some other things too, I'm definitely for that. Exactly. So thanks to everybody who makes this episode, uh, makes this show possible for sure. Make sure to send in uh, your reviews, questions, comments, concern. We'll do Q&As on here. Obviously, we'll take any requests um, that are sent in to talk about. We love motorsports. Obviously, Pace Labs means all motorsports, not just NASCAR, but obviously two big NASCAR fans right here. Uh, exactly. presenting the show so thanks to everybody thanks to uh believe for presenting this podcast thanks to bet online a great partner of believe glad to return uh to their services thanks to everybody watching thanks to chase elliott hendrick motorsports nascar everybody that made that uh that interview possible we'll see you all next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.